What's up, baby doll? Woo. Woo. We got yeah. another woo coming out. Got here. another woo. Ready for it. Ready for the day. Ready for. Okay. You're getting your fidgeting out. Yeah. Getting comfortable. Chairs are getting more comfortable. Is it? I mean, I have a black live shirt on again. You do. And I, like and I have my same shirt because what we're doing here is actually a business strategy because I am, you know, the most preeminent business coach in the United States uh, is called Stacking Functions, which one of my mentors, Lindsay Parrott, taught me, which is you, you try to do as much as you can all at once, once and you utilize it for multiple purposes. So today we are doing episode two, but it's the same day we did episode one. So for me, I still look cute. My hair is done. My makeup's done. My outfit's the same. But there's no shame in my game because that's how you teach people. Yep. Because if every, if we just, you know, separated it all out, then we'd have to do this multiple times over and over again, ex- extend energy, extend resources. And, you know, if I was, smart. if I wanted to pretend like that wasn't what we were doing, I would have done an outfit change. Right. And right. nobody would know. But part since of what we try, real. since we're so real, we like to keep it real. It's all about being perfectly imperfect. Let me just tell people the truth. Yeah. I mean, I will have another outfit on eventually. <laughs> and I think we're just going to record this episode and then be done. So yeah. the next the next two. time we do number three and beyond, I'll be in another outfit. Well, we're trying to do two or three a day. At least. Yeah. Okay. Well, not at least. Yes. Two or three a day because we're trying to do season one. And then go on to the holidays and you and I are going to be able to actually have a break for once for the holidays. Can you believe it? Wow. How many episodes are we going to do? We're shooting for a 14 14 episode first season. Yep. 14. That's not that many. We can do this, babe. Seven, eight days. Seven days at least. Yes. Or seven days most. You're so good with math here. It could be a seven days. Well, with that being said, let's start this episode. Yes. Um, and what I thought would be interesting to talk about is, you know, because we put this beautiful coffee shop on the corner of Western and Browning, one block north of King. And when we started putting it up, people were like, what the heck are you doing putting it over there? Right. Is and this PG? You were like, what the hell? This is not PG. Oh, okay. This is not a PG podcast. Okay. This you is were a f- like, what the hell? What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. But we ended up with this amazing, iconic, you know, space that, of right. course, we're going to talk a lot about. Right. But also because it's so beautiful, and that was part of our strategy, right, is we were like, the people in our community deserve nice things. We deserve nice things. Thank we shouldn't you. Have we were to- a little selfish too in there. Like we were doing this for uh, for our satisfaction. We were tired of, or me personally, was tired of having to go out of my neighborhood. Yeah, for to have nice for, things. To have a nice sit down. Like I can, I can get coffee here, but it'd be like in one of these little donut shops. And where did they get their coffee? Yeah, but but what I'm getting to though is. Some people thought we were gentrifiers. Right. I was like, fool, I've been here all my life. Exactly. So that's like, what this episode is about. Yeah. Ooh, I've been here all my life. Okay. <laughs> and I also, guess what? Yes, I am a white woman, but I've pretty much been here my whole life too. Yes. So, you know, for all my allies listening in that are from South LA, South Central, before you were here, 
<laughs> Celia was here. Thank okay. You. So before South LA became as we would now call diverse, yeah. it was historically originally, 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 originally back in the day, a white community that then when black right. people moved in, there was white flight. Then it became this beautiful, abundant, thriving black community that only was interrupted by the crack epidemic that was brought into the community. This is a whole nother podcast yeah, episode, story. but just yeah. to say crack epidemic, then mass incarceration, police brutality, decimation of our community, then influx of the, the Latin population as well for different reasons. And so for a long time, it's been a primarily black and Latin community. And now it's become much more gentrified. You don't have your black, brown unity shirt oh, on right now, but, um, but all of this is to say, uh, this is more, uh, eventually we're going to do the episode about, you know, the why of South LA Cafe, right, the origin right. story of South LA Cafe. That's not today's episode. Today's episode is really about our roots, right? Like, where do we come from? Uh, and I just wanted to give the context of people think because we put something so nice here that, is, that yeah, we must not, not from be here. from here. Yeah, like, <laughs> but, you know, and, that, and that's, you know, that's the way, you know, unfortunately people think um, sometimes in, 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 in um, poor communities is like they don't think they deserve. So when someone comes with something that's so fabulous, so nice, they think they're from outside. They can't and let's just unpack and, what you said, because it's not necessarily that people think they don't deserve. It's that that has been what how their experience that they've, they've been, had right. is they've been treated like they don't deserve anything. They've also right. been disinvested in. So you have a community that nobody has cared about, that has not been given resources, that has been systematically under-resourced. And then there becomes this like subconscious programming of that. That's normal. That the so many people, every time they, when they walked in, they were like, you did all this over here. I'm like, yeah. Like, what but, are you so surprised about it? But you actually remember, and this is getting back to the beginning. You actually remember growing up in the version of South central that was, that was the pre 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 decimation of right. the community when it was right. the that sort of utopian moment in South Central where, you know, obviously there was don't get me wrong. Obviously, there was racial issues, segregation, right. all of that redlining, all of that. But I'm saying the fact that the black community was relatively intact in South Central for mm -hmm. a period of time where people had jobs, they were a part of the manufacturing industry, working in the auto factories, all of that stuff. So the yeah. the, the average um, family was able to have a house and, you know, uh, you know, all the good things, right? Like 60s so and 60s and 70s. Right. Was, so what was, was what was your upbringing here in South Central like? Well, I grew up in like what, what they call like the Adams area first part of my life, um, you know, before junior high school, like as a young, young kid um, popping from the apartment to apartment in that area. Um, With who? Never, which is like Adam. No, I'm saying with who? Your tell about like your my, family with my dynamic. Mom and and three uh, and three sisters, uh, and and a stepdad or two in in the mix too. <laughs> right. Um, but all but you know to to not go into all the absolute details of that, but to, uh, those those areas that it, I mean that area was was nice to me. Like it, you know. Believe it or not, we have an occasional drive by, but it didn't 
it wasn't it didn't feel unsafe if that makes sense um we had the start or i guess the ending part not the start the ending part of of white flight happening still in the neighborhood but these were big old houses these were our i would live in an apartment but there was like 50 big you know 3000 square foot homes in that area that um where us as kids, we learned our hustle. You know, um, I grew up I, I collecting bottles from these people and they were happily give them to us. And uh, I always had change in my pocket because uh, I would cash the bottles in. Um, and if you guys, I'm aging myself, but there was RC caps that if you took the cap off inside of there was money. So when people left their caps on their bottles back then, so we would take them all off, pull the plastic. We were making money. We thought, you know, two, two, three dollars for a day's uh, day's work was was uh, was cool. And then um, I remember just everybody being really nice about us asking because we were never rude. We never jumped people's fence. And I'm saying that to get because we got there was a lot of fruit trees and uh, citrus trees all in the neighborhood that these name these people kept in their, on their properties and they would allow us to come and pick them. I mean, we were serving, they would get their trees picked. So they didn't have all the fruit on the bottom and we would get the fruit. So it was, it was a win-win for everybody. So shoot, now I think about it growing up, I, I ate a lot of fruits, fruits, fruits yeah. uh, and, and citrus. And you also had a garden. And I'll say that was the, that's yeah. the second part, but that, that was this area. So it was just, it was, I thought beautiful. And where'd you um, go to school? And then at that time, I was going to like 24th Street School, mm-hmm. which is right here. Uh, believe it or not, how, that's funny how people stay in a little five mile radius. Um, right off of 24th, 24th and Western. Yeah. Um, right I, near our, Jeffer- our upcoming Jefferson right, location. And I went to, and I also went to Vermont, Vermont Elementary. So we're by USC. So those are my two schools as younger years. Um, and then ended up getting bused to the Valley and that didn't work out. Something happened. I think I did something after school to some kid. We'll go into details later about that. Um, and they, they, uh, they suspended my uh, permit with transportation. So then we then we moved as usual every six to eight months we moved. Um, can I talk about a life lesson that I learned in the middle? Yeah, of that? absolutely. Oh, but I want to pause there because I want to because what just came up for me is a life lesson, and people can learn from this. Um, as a kid, we didn't have a whole bunch of money. Like I just told you, I used to collect bottles and do all that stuff. Um, but it was everybody was doing it. It just seemed normal. Um, but Money was tight. So my mom used to, oh, God bless her. God bless her. Rest in peace. She she would do everything to, I didn't know I was poor because she she went out of her way to make sure I had the stuff that I needed. So I needed tennis shoes or shoes. Or are, we tell, are we telling that story? Yeah. <laughs> this is very good. This is an pair, infamous story in our, in our family, by the way. Yeah. P- pair of shoes um, for the summer. Because you have your dress shoes, your tennis shoes, and 
and your house shoes. And your, what, no, we even have house shoes. You please really take your, wear your socks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when they talk about those cup and saucer, we're like, what's a saucer? You have a cup in the, on the table. But anyway, um, <laughs> that's so, why you didn't get that answer right on the SAT. It was culturally biased. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Is it on the SAT? I'm joking because that's the kind of questions and stuff they have on the SAT. Like they, you know, will be like horses to polo. Like, you, you know, you, and you, people you. are like, like, what's polo? polo sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. No. Uh, anyway, so the, it, it was like, do you got a pair of shoes? So my wife, I mean, my wife, my mom took me to the store and then we were at the store and back then, well, I'm going to go ahead and name them. They were pro kids. Pro kids got a little love right now. They're like, they're hip now. Okay. They got little hearts on them. They got, they're selling them for all kinds of money now. But back then pro kids were the cheapest shoes on the planet. They'd fall apart. But my mom said, you can get two pair of the pro kids. That way you tear up one, you have a, you know, another to replace it and it'll last the summer. And I was stuck on the Chuck Taylors, sky blue, sky blue Chuck Taylors. I was stuck on them. And I said, God, it's a life lesson. I said, Mom, I, want, I really want those Chuck Taylors. So I got the Chuck Taylors, okay? And wouldn't you have it, as life would have it, less than two weeks later, these are my summer shoes now. I have my dress shoes at home. These are my summer shoes. I'm hopping a fence and they don't make shoes the way they didn't, you know, they don't make shoes. They make them different now. They're better now. Back then, if you get a rip in a shoe, that rip would just continue to grow. So long story short, I'm hopping over the fence. I get a little tear on the shoes and now I'm playing baseball, football, basketball in these shoes. So every time I have a game, Every time I play, the rip was getting bigger and bigger. And before you knew it, I was out of the shoe and I had one shoe. And my mother is like, I'm not getting you another pair of shoes. You know, and I guess nowadays you could have just taken them back. But they didn't, we weren't doing that back then. And so I'm stuck. So what do I do? It's still the beginning of the summer. I'm only a couple weeks into the summer. I, I got to last the whole summer. So... Playing with my, so I start wearing my dress shoes, my Sunday shoes. Oh no! Yeah, and everything. Playing basketball, playing sports. Kid, you don't even you don't care back then. There was five other people wearing the same way. We just had a pair of shoes. So, um, can you imagine playing ball in, in dress blisters shoes? It was and everything funny. Sweating. No, but it wasn't. It was you, kid. You didn't have blisters. Just change your socks. Um, so those wore out. So now, what I had left, my mother was very stylish with stuff anyway. She had, we didn't have separate rain boots. We had these flip things that went over your shoes as, when it rained. Right, right, right. So you slide were, them on. You slide them mm -hmm. on over the shoes. So imagine 90 degrees weather. Told you, dress shoes are gone. Now I'm wearing those. Oh my goodness. Because my mother is not, she's the lesson. She's not getting, she's not getting me another pair of shoes. And now, you know, I'm at the end of the summer and I'm walking around and, and, and playing in these shoes. My, I remember that summer was the worst. But from that, it's probably why I got a hundred pairs of shoes. Now. <laughs> I know. You definitely have a shoe addiction. 
But the lesson is, don't always go for the big shiny thing. Go what's more that that more practical, or that can last you, um, to have a backup. You know. But me, I went for the shiny. But you know what? I feel like you're an entrepreneur, and like by yeah. well, let me just say it. Let talking me just life say lessons. I'm not talking about I, entrepreneur. You don't even let me re- reflect go, on your go story. Ahead, go you gotta ahead. listen. No, I'm, I'm gonna let you reflect. Okay. Go. So what I heard and wait, or my reflection to you is. You are definitely a like born and bred entrepreneur. You mm-hmm. are the like the archetype of the visionary CEO is you. you, so you, you so. And so I'm just saying your disposition is one of more of a risk taker. Give me you the know? best. And is, is that your punchline? I went for What it. does that mean to you when I'm saying you're an entrepreneur and you're a visionary CEO and you say give me the best? What does that mean? Because I thought you were talking about that's why it led to all of this. This is because I want the I want the best. I want to strive for give me the best. Well, that's what resonated with you. But yes. yeah, okay. Well, all I all all I guess I'll take that as what I was saying. But that wasn't really what our where I was going with it. I was going with that you are just more of a risk taker by nature. So I'm mm-hmm. saying in that op, in those two options, you went with what you wanted. Because you didn't want the not so cool shoes, you wanted the cooler shoes. And but I that's them but up that long. but that's still who you are. Yeah. All these years later is all I'm trying to say is that that's part of what serves you well in that moment. Because when I hear you saying the lesson learned was be practical, you know, get the get the other two shoes. I'm sort of like that's not necessarily who you are. Like that's just not Clearly. even now. That's not who you are. I'm, you know. So there's a part of you that maybe wishes that was because obviously that story has meant a lot to you because I've heard that story, you know, and and in a lot of different environments, that that story really means something to you. So I think that, do you feel like you wish that you were more practical? No, I'm just saying that if you if you're getting something from the story and if you, you know, young people listening, you know, think about it, it's more of a planning. It's more of a, like, I don't need to think about the fact that if you have this one, God, Lee, now that I tell this story and I've been telling this story for your whole know, life, <laughs> my whole life, 40 years, at least 26 years. that I've yeah. been with you. Now that I really, that we break it down like that. I really don't know if I want to give that message anymore. Right. Because it's changed and people change. Right. And that's, that's weird. Right. That's the first time I ever, wow, on this podcast. There you go. You see, people change, people evolve, people. Wow, because I, yeah, because I can see how people would get the message, which I don't want people to have now that I think about it, is to be safe. Mm. So, this is one of the things I wow. love about you. Wow. I just want to say this is one of the things I love about you is you're always growing. And and I love about our relationship is, you know, there's a lot of different aspects of our relationship, but this is one of the But you, I've told that story a million times. You never said that. Or you could say, Wow, Celia, thank you for pulling that. No, 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 no I'm that hearing that now. Me. I'm saying we you never have you let me tell that story. Not let me. Have heard that story the same way I heard it. And it was a lesson that we were giving the people. But then I bet you those people were going like, 
You're not like that. The times you told the story before, it wasn't about the lesson. Uh, you weren't trying true. to make a lesson out of it. You were trying to just tell the story about how you had been idiotic and you ran around not having shoes all summer long because of this decision you made to get the other shoes. But now trying to make a lesson out of it, your instinct was to go to say that the better choice was getting the two pair instead of the one. But the reality is, is that's not really who you are. And that's also not how you show up in the world. You, you, you go for what you want and now you that know that there's it. a risk. There, there's a risk, but there's also a reward, right? So, but be prepared to to, to be barefoot. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's what you got. I mean, that's take, that's what entrepreneurship. Continue about. to go to continue to go for what you want, but be prepared if it doesn't doesn't go that that it's not gonna it's not gonna be the end of the world. That's right. You know, you make it work. That's right. There you go. I made it work. If you think about that, you sure I did. Made it work. Like most kids would have just stayed in the house. No, I you didn't my, let it stop I you. I wore my dress shoes. You made it work. Most kids. So how, their, how old were you at that time? Had to be under, I had to be under fifth grade. So about 10 is about fifth grade. Six, six. Yeah. About 10 or nine or 10 years old. So I just. Wow. So I just want to um, advance for you, your relationship to South Central and being here and your roots here. When did you guys move next to your big next transition? It was right the summer after the after I graduated from from uh, sixth grade from Vermont Elementary. And you, which I was at a play. By where the did way. you end? Where did you end up next? That just came to my mind about the play. What was the name of the play? I don't know. When you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. Oh, what's that called? A uh, love story or love West Side Story. West Side Story. Yeah. That's the only. That's the play you were in, and another story that gets told many times. <laughs> you, I love you, that. you you I know love one that. song. That role. <laughs> when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way to your last cigarette. <laughs> or your last dying day. When you're a jet, let them do what they can. You got brothers around. You're a family man. You are in fine form right now. That's the okay, because I'm, I'm delirious. I you are food. delirious. No, uh, at least you're not hangry. Yeah, at least I'm not. I prefer delirium to your hanger because it's not fun. So I went from I got I my junior yours is going to be so you actually yeah. I don't know. Mine it might need to be. Like, an, it might need to be another episode. <laughs> it might need to be another episode. Six part. We might make this the Joe relationship to South Central episode, and next, we'll you know what? Serious. I think that's what we're gonna do. Okay, this is well, what actually. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Yes. Hold on. Hold well, your thought for a I second. Hold on. I can't finish. It's not fair. Saying. If there's two people talking, you have to let the second person talk. But I'm just telling you, if I hold on. If you on, start another gonna, story, you're gonna then, remind me. No, because now I've lost my thoughts. Are okay, you happy? Good. So you now, said good. I'm not happy. I just want to. I want to get it out before I. Lose well, let mind. me just say what I'm going to say, okay. and then you get. Got well, it. You go, go. go. All I'm saying is, we're we're doing this live time, and we're learning live time. And what I'm learning is that it's really nice to have these long form conversations and let the story just go where it goes, and then to hold space for the other stories that you bring into other episodes. So I actually think today's episode is about you okay. and your relationship to South Central and your upbringing. We'll talk about me and for in maybe the next episode. Well, we can we can do that if it happens to be that way. Um, uh, you might get some stuff in there. See, at the you're, end. See, you're pushing but, me to get through what I was saying because you want to tell your story. No, no I'm not. I, I agree with you. I, I think that's absolutely true. But 
I am ready to tell my thing. <laughs> Clearly. So, okay. <laughs> so anyway, so I moved from there and, and now I'm in junior high school. And that's right. We moved to, to a house craziness. Talk about my mom. How could she buy a house? Oh my gosh. I forgot the story about you guys buying the house. That's such a good one. Wait, I was blown what were the, What was away. the circumstances? Wait, before. Here's the circumstances. Had... She used to work for this. She used to clean houses. My mom did everything. She used to clean house for this Jewish family on in Beverly Hills, okay? And they owned a lot of property, I guess, in South Central. So they they had a property that was up they were about to lose. Because back then, if you let a house go, the city would take it. And it's and the city was taking a lot of properties back then, because people were just like, ah, whatever. You know, I'm not gonna fix that up. I don't care. And properties weren't worth that much anyway back then. So anyway, he offered her this property at a very low payment. Like he, we basically didn't have a bank. We were going to buy it from him. Seller finance. Yeah. Yeah. With no real interest. Um, and he said, and we kept a little tally for him. It was funny. She said, sign on that thing. And yeah, I paid you. And here I paid you extra. It was hilarious. And then he says, it's about to be condemned in like 18, 17, 18 days. If you go and you fix it up and get it, you know, going, you can, you can have the property. So that was basically our down payment was us going in and fixing this property up. I went to this place and I went like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, that's the story of my life. I guess I guess we did the same thing with our cafe. Yeah. piece of junk when we got it. Um, so anyway, weeds everywhere. So we, we, we just, we said, okay. And went for it. We cleaned the yard first. That and let, and let like me just a, give some context. Cause it, it, that again, this is your mom, Vonnie Burnett, who is a, an evangelist and an entrepreneur, and you know has a million different hustles Can't going. Stop her. She has four kids. She just came out here mom. pregnant with me from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, carrying two little girls with her and me in the belly. So, just to give context, though, it was your mom had come from Harrisburg, you in the belly, the two younger sisters. Eventually your other, or the two older sisters, excuse me, eventually your younger sister. But what I was just trying to say is Vani is at this time, you know, is this amazing uh, matriarch. She, she has this crazy work ethic. You're the only son. You're the only boy. You're essentially the man of the house at a very early age. And she gets this amazing opportunity to get this house, but it has to be what it has. To, it's going to be condemned. Right. And it has to be brought up to code within 15 days or right. something crazy. Well, it has to be, it has to look like it's not abandoned. <laughs> okay. Which is hard to do. I mean, windows are And where out, was this located? No doors. This is 84th and Broadway. 84th South and Central. Broadway. So you're um, not new to the neighborhood. No, not at all. Uh, all my life. I'm telling you from the, from the Adams to Manchester, I've lived in all in between there. Uh, but this was our land. This was our home. This was actually an opportunity. And I didn't understand it as a kid. I do now. But my mom bought a home. Like, that's crazy. See, for, you know, people in her position, like, don't get those opportunities. Anyway, uh, she did. And we had, like I said, seven, 18 days to get this thing before they were coming back out for another inspection. Uh, and we did it. I mean... We borrowed wood from other abandoned houses. 
and, and toilets. Toilet. <laughs> and, you know, all the little parts and pieces that we need to make this thing that we, we didn't have any money. Um, and, I, and I say borrow because we felt terrible um, about, you know, other abandoned buildings, but they were being closed down, closed out and tore down anyway. Um, and this is the house, though, where you ended up making this, the garden in the this backyard, is like, yeah, right? It didn't have a garage. You had a big backyard. I got pictures of that. And so most, godly, I ate so healthy and didn't even realize it as a kid. Um, we, what we, we grew what we ate. You ate what you ate grew. Ate what we grew. Grew what we ate. Both, I guess it goes yeah. both ways. Um, so that's a heck of a story. I mean, I was a farmer in the middle of the city. Urban farming. Urban farming. Organic. I remember the corn. The corn was always a battle with the, between me and the bug because it was no, we, did, we, we didn't use any pesticides. Um, uh, so we got very, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what is it called nowadays? So organic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had organic food before organic food was popular. Broccoli, uh, corn, lettuce, uh, tomatoes, tons of tomatoes. Uh, I mean, we were always fixing salads from our garden. It's, we had greens, collard greens. We had collard greens almost every day from our garden. Uh, and I did the garden. And that's a whole nother story. But that... that I mean, you did the garden and that is an important. Yeah, everybody helped us. And it's important to say that because to this day, you have a green thumb, right? And you love being in the garden. It's your happy place. You know, when I asked you the other, when I asked you the other day, what you see for our future and what's an activity that we could start doing together, right? I said, what's a new thing we could pick up and start doing together? You said, how about we get into gardening, right? Wow. I don't know if you remember that, but I remember. I remember. But Still to this day, like anytime you can go out and put your hands in the soil, even a day before we came here, you were cutting the hedges at home, you know, like you're both putting the house together, but also the gardening. It's like, I call you like Joe Giver, you know, I always joke because it's like, you're that guy, you're that fix it guy, you're that handy guy. You know, you even said, cause you're working on opening up Jefferson and, you know, you spent the whole day getting ready for our inspection over there. And you said one of our employees who knows you very well in a lot of different capacities came over and he w- was just blown away by, you know, man, Joe, I never even knew you were like capable of all this. Cause you know, you're like, you got the drill Put bit, the you tables. got the tape, you got the measuring tape, you're doing all the things. So I just think it's really great to talk about people's origin stories and where they came from, because you start to see the patterns, like part of what, what I envision about this podcast is I'm peeling a lot of the layers because people see us in the capacity that they know us from the cafe and they think that we're like this overnight, you know, success or like we, we just, we we just, now they're the CEOs and that we just like tried something and it worked versus being like, no, actually these are themes from our entire lives that have been stuff we've been working on, learning, improving on, making mistakes, all of that. And now, of course, we're bringing all the pieces together. I think that's why you and I feel so fulfilled at this moment in terms of our work. Of course, we're exhausted and it's a lot right now. But in general, we love it so much because it's sort of that dream come true of like, you know, oh my gosh, you know, grew up as a like youth advantage, you know, youth minister, you know, and I'm now I get to be in my corner with my people and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm praising with them and I'm uplifting and inspiring them. And, you know, I was in my garden and now I got to be over on the corner and I'm made a beautiful green space in the middle of, you know, this uh, concrete, concrete, concrete jungle, as they would say, you know, so I just planted trees in the ground. 
Yeah. By the way, we're going to get them trimmed this, this, this weekend. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Um, so I think that for me, knowing your story, I think one of the more, uh, other pivotal moments is sort of at some point you, you're part of the generation that got bust out of South Central because oh the, the concept being that it was like better for you to get out of the neighborhood. Craziness. This is crazy. You folks like, we, I was doing well, very well in junior high school. I ended up going to Bethune Junior High School and we moved there. And, pe- and kids, I walked to school, mile and a half every day, two miles. I walked to school and ran home, no, <laughs> um, to Bethune Junior High School and was top of my, cl- top of my class all the time, like in the top. So... I'm scheduled to go to Fremont High School. And back then, Fremont High School was pretty good, except for the, you know, the drive-bys every day. It was, it was a pretty good academic school. It was okay. Um, so I was set to do it with all my friends, Eric Davis, you know, Fred Small, uh, um, uh, Dexter. Uh, I can go on. Aaron Montgomery, Ricky. All these guys, we were played together on junior high. Playing basketball. Played together. basketball, football. We did everything together. And even tennis at Bethune High Junior High. And swimming. Yes, you were. Learned how to swim. Um, they had a swimming pool in a black community, which was unheard of. Um, except for the fact that it was white before and it was a white flight. Now right. we have a pool right. at a junior high school, which right. is crazy. Um, so benefits, ran track, did all that. And so I was looking forward to just being going, growing up with my kids that I grew up with, finally had a house and we weren't moving around anymore. So I had some stability. I had structure. I had friends that I was going to have for a lifetime. And you were a, a budding uh, athletic star I was as pretty a, damn as a good ba- in basketball. basketball. So, and we, and that was a basketball school. It was either that or Crenshaw. So, I end up uh, getting procrastinating. I don't know why we did, but it was last minute. Now my mom's taking me up to school because it's the last week to register or something. School had already started a day or something, but you could still register your kids. So my mom took me up to school personally. And wouldn't you have it, the damn day that my mom comes up there with me and shows up, a girl gets stabbed in the chest. <laughs> right down the hall from us. Like what it... In, in what world does that happen, the timing like that? Well, it happened because of this. May I tell you about that PWT program, right? I had already gotten uh, in trouble and kicked out of that as a kid. So was no chance. It was usually a waiting list for about a year to get on it. So my mom said, my kid's not going here. Um, we're getting you back on that you know, on that bus, you know, just in her mind, it just felt safer to her. She didn't realize she was putting me, you know, in a, you know, a racist environment, hostile environment. She didn't realize that. She just thought it was safer. And so um, basically PWT program was great, but it was taking the cream of the crop kids, I felt, um, because of safety issues the parents thought, Taking the cream of the crop and taking them out to the to a, an environment that wasn't ready for them and they weren't ready for. Uh, and I'll give you an example that my first class, 
Oh, I get here. My my mom ended up getting. Where'd you end up going? Monroe High School. My mom ended up being able to get a permit for transportation that day. We went down to the school board, and she was raising all kind of sand. And she left there with the papers, and I had a school that was assigned, and the bus the next day, six o'clock, six fifteen in the morning, or something, whatever it was, some crazy hour. I was already mad. So so now I'm on my way to the bus, and I'm going to make the best of it. That's just who I was. I'm over it. This is my mom and family decision. We're, I'm going. So I get out there, and I remember my class classes, and they started right away. Usually you felt like it was a ramp-up school year. It was a right away. Books were given out. Assignments were given out. It was I was culture shock. And I remember in one of the classes, they'd taken a lecture, and this, this teacher must have been copying off whatever that movie was, where you're erased, you write with one hand and erase with the other in, in lecture. I'm going, lecture? What is lecture? So you took this kid that was pretty, test well and did pretty good to now, I, we weren't taking notes yet. I didn't know what a lecture was. I thought, you know, you just get, get the book and learn. So basically, here I am, eight straight A student, all of a sudden, I'm in a struggle. You know, I got I caught on, but it's just you put kids in those environments. So um, school became harder for me. You know what I mean? It wasn't fun. Uh, and then I lost all my friends because here I am at the school, despite all the fact that it was it was hard for me. Um, I'm coming back home late at night. You know, because I'm playing sports, still playing sports. So I'm coming home 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night after, after practice. My friends are in bed getting ready for the next day. So, and it's dark. So I had no time to hang out with my friends after school, like every normal kid had. So I lost all that. PWT program, great on paper. But back then you were snatching kids. Um, and I think it's part of the problem that happened with the inner city schools because you took all the good kids out of those schools and you left room for the riffraff because you know LA Unified they'd still need the numbers so instead of those kids not being having space for them now they had space so you took those schools down you took the good kids out there and some of them made it and a lot didn't and then the inner city schools went down because now you have knuckleheads in the classroom so I can go on about how much I hate that but it just it it, I don't know, it just did a, like I missed my, my high school years, man. They were jacked up. And I think that ultimately to bring it all around, like you had such a strong root system in South Central through church, you know, through your neighborhood, through, you know, your experiences. Then you get bust out, you get disconnected. You lose your friends, you fall behind in school, you fall behind in your in your sports opportunities. Then you end up trying to continue your basketball career and go to Mission College before you tr- hopefully transfer on to, you know, a D1 or, you know, whatever that's going to be for your future. But again, that's outside of your community right now. You're sort of because you were, indoctr- you were, you were indoctrinated a little bit into the valley. So you start going to college out in the valley. But then when you come home. This this Life had this this utopian community, at, at least from your experience, a relatively utopian existence of beautiful blackness 
had completely changed when you came home. It was, it was insane. It was like, what just happened? And it was overnight. It was like crack cocaine just destroyed the community. Well, and just to, again, to give context, because those are who are from here, and this is about a love story about South Central and about how we're actually rooted and from here. Right. And so we don't want to end this episode on, you know, the, the decimation of the community through crack. But what we are trying to say is that crack was systematically introduced right. into South Central and in a very fast form dismantled it and also led to, you know, uh, mass incarceration. And, you know, so either people were on drugs or people were, you know, ending up in jail or, and, dead. And, or dead and all, all of that. Um, and, you know, but through that, you know, you've carried on and you've been here, you've been here. Resilient. You, I mean, just I, resiliency is a, a, you know, word that you can use here. It, it, the things that me and my family and a lot me the, uh, as a young black boy growing up in this in this community went through. And sometimes I have to pinch myself that I made it through that. Just you know, it's just crazy. <laughs> well, where I was trying to go with it though is that it's you, therapy. yeah, clearly this is turning into therapy, and I actually really love that aspect of it. Um, but what I what I wanted to sort of pull the pieces together as we wrap up here is. We're not new to the neighborhood. You're not new to the neighborhood. You're born and raised in this neighborhood. You, uh, every neighborhood. We, I've we, seen the we, good, we the say, bad, we the say, ugly. We say every neighborhood has all of the, uh, all of it, right? So yeah. wherever you're from, you have the aspects you love about it. You have the challenges you faced. You have the crime. You have the struggle. You have the, you know, successes. And all of that exists right here in, in South Central Los Angeles, and when we created our cafe, it was because it was going to be a love, a love letter, a love story, a love offering to our community and what we say for us, by us. And so today you just shared some of the stories. There's so many stories to tell from your right. experience here. But as, as we wrap it up for today, um, can you just share maybe one key takeaway, one lesson that you think out of the stories that you've told or that you think would be beneficial for people? I think what never, this sounds so cliche, never give up, <laughs> but, it, but it really is that like you have to be able to, you know, take the, take what life gives you and, and push forward. I mean, you, it's not the, it's not the end of the world that, you know, I got bust to the valley may have felt like it, but I pushed on. It may not be, it wasn't the end of the world and my grades were falling and I, my dream was changing. Um, but I pushed forward, you know. You're uh, one of, you're one of the most resilient people I know. And I know you referenced that when you're talking about your mother, Vani, as well, you know, without telling her stories, cause those are her stories to tell. Right. But she's she had a very she had a beautiful life, but she also had a very very challenging life and went through things that you were unimaginable. And yet she was such a faithful person, such an optimistic person, such a loving person. And I feel like those are the same always qualities. Taught us always see seeing the good. My mom, my mom, yeah. you know, well, from my, I get from this is that I I always life was still. Still beautiful. Regard. I mean, I didn't know I was poor until I went to the valley. Right. You know what I mean? I 
I didn't get it. I didn't you understand still, it. You still to this day are always looking for the good. You are still in to this day in life. And it is good. It, it, you know, that's the, that's the thing. You, you're going to, you, when you're looking for something, you're going to find it. Okay. If you look for the good, you're going to find a lot of good. And that's, and, and I think it's, it's the crazy, messy, beautiful life. That's what I'm trying to say is like, to me personally, like you're not going to only see the good, you're going to see all of it, but it's like, what do you intend to focus on? What do you take away from it? And from what I'm taking away from you sharing your story today, and hopefully people are as well is how resilient you are and how resilient we all are, right? How, right. you know, we can handle more than we think we can. We and can, we can, life can unfold in ways we don't expect and not ways we don't want. And we're still going to be okay. How do you, absolutely right. How do you think that we're still, how, how do you think we got through COVID? Yeah, well, that's a, a just, forthcoming I, I episode. It, it is another episode, but I'm just telling you this, that my life prepared me for that. That's right. I'm like, are you kidding me? COVID, bring it on. That's right. No, I don't, so, I don't God, so, I don't mean like that, but so, just. It's one of those things that has got to be some good out of this. What can we do? There you go. So that being said, on the next episode, you're going to do a lot of listening and I'm going to do a lot of talking. You're going to practice. I'm a good listener. You're so good. Please. You're so good. You can be in, you can be in a interview. What is it called? An interviewer slash therapist mode. And I'll be the, 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 the patient and the talker. And we'll see what we can unfold about my upbringing and relationship to South Central, which probably is a little bit different, right. probably is a little bit uh, interesting given, given all of our differences, but thank you for sharing so openly. I think I just got so much out of hearing what you have to say and there's something new about myself too. You sure did. So okay. it's a wrap. You want to high five that one? Yep, I you try don't it? miss this time. Okay. Let's let <laughs> Hey fam, if you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode of the In The Mix podcast. And for that, we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope you enjoyed this new episode. And if you did, please take one minute to hit the subscribe button to catch all future episodes. And then please give us a five-star review. Also, if you want to support our Black and women-led multiracial movement to fight social, economic, racial, and food inequity, please head to our website, southlacafe.com, where you can become a monthly member, sponsor groceries, volunteer, buy merch and coffee, and make a tax-deductible donation. Sending you lots of peace, love, and blessings from our family to yours.